Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Tess Stimson, welcome to Human Stories. Thank you for talking to me. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, you're um, an author. You've written one or two books. <laughs> How many? This is the 14th or the 15th. I've slightly lost track. Is it? I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your 14th or 15th book is coming out uh, tomorrow, the 5th of August, I understand. That's right. Yeah, and um, I've done a bit. Launch everywhere and everywhere around the world. Okay, so we'll talk about your new book in obviously in a minute. But I want to have your story about how it all started for you. I've done a little bit of research from your website and social media and what have you. You're actually talking to me from America. I am. Yes, moved here about twenty years ago. Okay. Uh, met a handsome American in a bar, and oh. the rest they say is history. <laughs> I was going to say um, how come, and then that was the answer. Fantastic. You're, in a, you're a place called Vermont, which is very beautiful, I understand. It is. It's right up near the border with Canada. We're about, I would guess, an hour and a half from Montreal, so right up tucked in the northeast. Um, and we're a little bit of a bubble. Uh, the uh, state's about a fifth the size of the UK, but it has only 650,000 people. So a lot of sheep, a lot of cows. Brilliant. I've seen lots of pictures of you walking up mountains and waving at the camera and everything. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's been great, particularly during the pandemic. Okay, so how did writing books start for you? Well, I, my background's actually in journalism. Um, when I left university, I got a job working at ITN. I was working on News at 10 for a number of years. Um, and it was one of those uh, jobs where people were always asking you, you know, what kind of stuff happens behind the scenes? What do the newscasters really say to each other? All that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and I'd always had an idea about writing some sort of some work of fiction and it just kind of all came together. And I wrote my first novel, Hard News, set in the world of TV news. Um, and this is back in the 90s. It was one of those big doorstopper bunk busters, very much in the Jackie Collins sort of mold. Um, and I've been writing ever since, um, mixing it up with a bit of journalism. I teach screenwriting at the university near where I am. But essentially, I've been writing books of one sort or another for, you know, almost 30 years. Okay. And quite successfully then, apparently, otherwise you would have given up. Yeah, Um, it's not easy to to make a huge amount of money writing books, but if you're consistent, you keep plugging away there. Although a lot of people ask me, um, you know, what's the secret? What advice would you give to anybody starting out in writing? Mm. Um, And I always say, marry somebody rich. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was going to ask you that a bit later on, but (laughs) I'm going to ask you again. Okay, um, so tell me about your journalism then, because I understand you covered some, some conflicts. Yeah, I did. Um, when I was with ITN, um, I was covering a number of the big stories of uh, the sort of uh, 90s, um, including the war in Beirut, the civil war there. Um, and I feel terribly sorry for Lebanon because, of course, they're back in the news again this time with an economic disaster. Um, and I actually spent four years um, as a producer at the CNN Bureau in Beirut. 
um, and uh, covering stories out of there across the Middle East, um, which obviously included conflicts again in places like Iraq. Um, I was there during the Gulf War um, and later on in, in Syria and so on. Um, and then we covered Somalia. So I've been shot at from a variety of different angles. Um, I was going to say that, that <laughs> sounds incredibly <laughs> dangerous. I mean, uh, you must be slightly bonkers. <laughs> I, I think I was a little bonkers, but I was I was a little younger as well. And you had that kind of immortality thing going mm, on. Yeah. Um, and then when I had my, my first son, I decided that perhaps it wasn't that smart. Um, my ex-husband, uh, Brent Sadler, was also a war correspondent. And so we used to travel together um, and cover stories together. And I figured it wasn't very smart for us both to... Um, put our lives on the line. Mm. So that's when I transitioned to writing softer pieces. And uh, once I'd worked out that writing for women's magazines earned you a lot more money and you didn't get shot at, then mm. I decided to stay with that. Have you got any uh, very dramatic uh, and dangerous um, incidents you can talk about from from covering war war uh, zones? I think one of the most dramatic um, was uh, being in a, in a pretty big plane uh, plane crash. It was a very very close run thing. We were in Somalia, um, and we actually we were flying from Kenya to Somalia to cover the famine there. And we we're in one of those Hercules one three one thirties, you know, the big transport. Mm planes and as we flew into Mogadishu with about 40 journalists on board we got shot at and so the plane diverted to a, another much smaller airport and we landed there and about half the, the journalists got out and we were wandering around figuring out what to do next um, and suddenly the news came in that actually we could go back to Mogadishu um, and so the plane just took off um, and leaving half the journalists I might say on the ground at this little airport and as it took off it's a big heavy plane you know those they look like whales in the air with those mm. big bellies well the runway wasn't designed for it and as we took off it hit a mud bank at the end and it trashed the uh, landing gear, which created a huge rip in the fuselage. You know, you could put your hand through it, wow. um, which obviously was a, a bit of a predicament. We now only had one wheel and a great big hole in the fuselage. So we had to lash everything down. The pilot came back and said, look, you know, I'm really sorry, but we've probably got about a one in three chance of surviving this. Um, we're going to go back to uh, Kenya and see if we can land on an, one of those foam carpets. That way we've got a better shot. Um, and so I kind of looked around and figured out where the door was <laughs> and sat myself right by the door. Um, and as if this wasn't bad enough, as we're going through this process, we have all these water barrels in the middle of the plane that are lashed down that one of the uh, European networks was taking into Somalia. Um, and at this point, they confess that actually it's not water, it's gasoline. Um, so we then have to debate whether it's safer to try and open the rear of the plane and push them out or whether we're going to risk landing with them. Mm. Um, and meanwhile, some of the guys managed to crank a chain around the damaged landing gear. Uh, we fly, takes us very a very long time to get back to uh, Kenya because we have to fly very low because, of course, there's a hole in the fuselage. Mm. Um, we land on one wheel and I live to tell the tale. And that whole story actually became the last scene of Hard News, the book I was writing at the time. Um, and so when people say, where do you get your ideas? <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, I plagiarized my life quite a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, well, I'm glad that you survived and uh, hopefully everybody else did as well on that trip. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you say that you like uh, teaching um, media to people. How, how do you do that? 
Well, I teach it at a, a local college near a university near where I live. Um, I teach uh, reporting for media and screenwriting. Um, and I got into that because as my kids got older and started getting off to college, I really enjoy being with that age group. Um, I think it's something that keeps you uh, keeps you younger than climbing mountains, ironically. It's an attitude of mind, you know. Um, and you hear a lot of debate. Um, one of the debate that's going on over here a lot at the moment is the whole pronoun issue, the his, her, that kind of stuff. Um, and it would be very easy to get stuck in a rut where you think, what's the point? What does it matter? And then you talk to some of these kids and it, it, you realise that actually, you know, that there's a different way of approaching things. So that was why I got involved in teaching this age group. Mm. Um, and I have to say, it's very interesting, um, their take on um, the media in a world where they've grown up with the internet and where their main source of information is not ITN or CNN, but Facebook and mm. Instagram and TikTok. Yep. Um, and it's a whole different set of issues you have to grapple with. Yeah, it's uh, strange because I teach people how to handle the media. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. It's the other way around. So, uh, you know, I teach people what, how to uh, be interviewed um, and so on. So, yeah, we're sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum, if you like. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we, we should... Need little, I think we need a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's very true, yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. Now, tell me about um, your new book then. It's called Stolen. Uh, what's, yep. it, what's it about? Uh, it's about a little girl who disappears from a beach wedding in Florida, um, one of those places where you'd think you'd be completely safe. And Lottie vanishes. She's three years old. She's a, a difficult kid. Her mother is not perfect by uh, any stroke of the imagination. Um, she struggles with motherhood. Um, but then her daughter vanishes. Um, and it's obviously got echoes of the Madeleine McCann story and the many awful stories that we all know about over the years. Mm. Um, and the story starts with Lottie's disappearance and then picks up two, late, two years later um, and follows through as um, Lottie's mother, uh, Alex, realises that it could only have been somebody who was at the wedding who took her. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a stranger. And she spends the next two years trying to figure out where she is. Wow. And what inspired you for that? Hopefully not a personal experience. No, I've had those close calls that every parent's had, you know, mm. when your child disappears from the supermarket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, that happened in Italy when my son was about three and he vanished. And it turned out that, you know, a friendly Italian mama had seen him looking miserable and had kind of whisked him off for a cuddle. Um, but it was actually inspired when I was in Florida and a lot of weddings happen on the beach there. And I was sitting watching one and it was sunset and it was beautiful. And a lot of tourists had gathered um, and there were some little uh, page boys and bridesmaids sitting on the front row. And as the bride came out, everyone turned to look at her. And one of the little kids got a bit bored and she wandered off um, towards the water. And I was watching her thinking, someone's going to realise she's wandered off. They're going to bring her back. And nobody did. And she was getting closer to the water. And I was at that point where I was thinking, you know, should I go and intervene? Um, and she was maybe 100 yards away from uh, the, the wedding party when somebody figured out what had happened and rescued her. And I thought then how easy it would have been for her to have vanished in the crowd. Nobody would have realised. Um, and Florida has so many people passing through, um, tourists and that kind of stuff. It would have been so easy. And so that was the spark. That was the yeah. where the idea came from. What would you say, uh, we did cover this question earlier, and you said marry a rich 
person. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, people listening to this listen for advice because in human stories, there's all sorts of stories about people's lives and struggles and careers and so on. Um, what having been a writer for thirty years, which I actually looking at you on on YouTube on the on the screen, I can't actually believe that that's the case. But <laughs> there you go. You must have started very young. Um, what advice would you give people who have thought, "Oh, I've always wanted to write a book, me included, actually, but always too busy"? Uh, what advice would you give to people who are thinking about writing a book? I actually think now is a fantastic time to be a writer, um, not necessarily a writer of books, because I think that compared to when I first started out, um, people read far fewer books, me included, because you have so many demands um, on your for your attention, so many different screen options. And people multi-screen now in a way they didn't before. I mean, the podcasts are a typical example. Yeah. You normally listen to a podcast while you're doing something else, right? Yeah. Whether driving or ironing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so reading a book is one of the few things where you just do one thing at a time. You might listen to the, some music, but that's basically it. Um, but putting that aside, the desire for storytelling has never been greater when you think of the insatiable demand of all the streaming giants that we have now. Um, it's, the, it's a great time to be a storyteller. And if you can write a good story well told, you'll find a market. Um, and so give it a go would be my advice to any writer. Now is a time where you can self-publish, um, and it's not vanity publishing anymore. You can self-publish on, on uh, Amazon. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey started out as somebody self-publishing, and look at the phenomena that became. Mm. So, um, you have those options, and you have many uh, places to sell it. Um, so it's, it's much more of a portfolio career than I think it used to be. Um, it's hard to just do one thing. You do a mixture of things, you know, as I do. I'm a bit of teaching, a bit of journalism, a bit of writing. Um, but it's, there's certainly potential for good stories. And what's the formula? Is there a formula about writing a book? I mean, do you, what sort of uh, story do you need to write about? And uh... You know. yeah, I think you have to write something that you believe in. Um, if there's a bandwagon, by the time you notice it, it's already disappearing to the distance because there's a big time lag between when you write and when something is published. So write something that, that matters to you. Um, and I think most people do well by writing the kind of books they like reading. That's certainly what I do. And it's why I moved away from um, kind of women's fiction, the chick lit stuff that I started out doing to psychological thrillers, the kind of darker side. Um, I've always been fascinated with that, that thin line between normal behavior and crossing the line into a darker, darker area. Um, and the, the example I often give is if, you know, a young guy is in a cafe and he sees a really pretty girl and he's really attracted to her, um, but he's, you know, doesn't speak to her and he goes back the next day to see if she's there and then back the day after. Um, is that, you know, romantic or is that, kind of slightly stalkery mm. um, and many of the things that you deal with um, my previous book looked at um, uh, the relationship between a wife and an ex-wife uh, it's called one in three um, and that again was uh, about someone who has been hurt and indulges in what we would consider from the outside extreme behavior but when you're there I mean who hasn't been jilted or unhappy in love and done, you know, crazy things, whether that's ringing somebody in the middle of the night, sending way too many texts. So 
that line between normal behavior and something a bit darker, that's why I ended up writing the kind of books I'm writing now. Mm. Oh, spooky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tess, thank you so much for talking to me. That's been very educational and inspirational. Uh, I'm sure uh, listeners to this series and this podcast will, will think the same. Uh, your book, Stolen, is out uh, this week. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this, dear listener, it's available and presumably available uh, on the usual channels, including Amazon. Absolutely, and in audio and uh, Kindle as well as paperback. Wow, that's really good. Fantastic. Tess, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll inspire or help others. Get in touch if you have a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to reach your own audience, or if you'd like training so you can do it yourself, I can help. Go to TonyLloydRadio.com. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. Thank you.